Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No you are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the cinematographer for The Last Duel, Darius Wolski, costume designer Janty Yates, and composer Harry Gregenson Williams. There is only one question that matters. Do you swear on your life that what you say is true? My father told me my life would be blessed with good fortune. I'm married. I was a good wife. And then was judged and shamed by my country. I say before all of you, I spoke the truth. The most unspeakable charge has been brought against you. Jacques Legree entered our home. He attacked me. The accusation is false. I am telling the truth. The truth does not matter. There is only the power of men. This should be settled quietly. I am innocent! I request a duel to the death. If you lose, your wife will suffer dire consequences. One of us has lied. Let us let God decide. You do not believe me. I am risking my life for you. You are risking my life so you can save your bride. For bearing false witness. Is that you are to be burned alive? I will not be silent. Hello, everyone. Thanks for chatting with me today about The Last Duel. I'm here with costume designer Jacob Yates, composer Harry Gregson Williams, hello, and cinematographer Darius Wolski. Hello. Thank you all for talking with me today. Um, so every department head is a storyteller. And with this film being three different versions of the same story, I'd love to hear from each of you. How did you use your craft to bring a unique perspective to each of the three versions of the story? Uh, let's start with Janty. Well, I was going to say, can I start? Because I changed nothing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. You can move on. <laughs> well, I'd actually like to dig in real quick. Were there any conversations about changing anything uh, uh, on your side of things? In actual fact, no. Um, we wanted to keep it as similar as possible. And so consequently, um, we, we, we did not go beyond just what we shot in Karouge's uh, story. Gotcha. Okay. 
Well, that's good to know. Uh, Harry, how about you? Um, the, the, there are three three distinct um, characters in in the movie, the central characters, and those were uh, with the, with with each of their story coming into focus in the three chapters. That's where I was able to explore in more in depth each of their thematic material that I created. So we we discover most of that in the first act or the first chapter, uh, but you know in the second chapter, for instance, we do focus more on Legree's story and, and more on on uh, on the the sort of sonic landscape that I put around him, which is which was somewhat different to the other two characters. Matt Damon's character being the Karouche character, being quite sort of solid and workmanlike. Uh, <laughs> um, and Marguerite's, Marguerite's um, thematic material is often sung. I had a really, really brilliant uh, countertenor from England called Yestin Davis, who came and sang there, uh, also a wonderful soprano. Um, and and uh, a very elite choir, a very small choir actually, where, where usually when one's recording choirs or um, organizing choirs, one doesn't want to hear individual voices, one wants what's called a round tone, a whole tone. But in this instance, rather than booking a great big choir, I had a small choir they're called Voces Eight with just eight voices. So two voices in each part, soprano, alto, tenor, bass. Um, and you can actually hear individual voices. And we really wanted that. And that was something I ran past Ridley, he was quite intrigued by. We, on Kingdom of Heaven, I'd used a lot of heavenly voices, as you can imagine, uh, but that context was very different. Um, I was scoring a lot of the battle scenes, um, a lot of that uh, in Kingdom of Heaven. In this movie, with the battle scenes, they were dry. They were grunts and thrusts and knives and uh, swords. Uh, and the music's job was to bring us to those moments and then often to echo the sentiments of what's just happened afterwards but to, to, to allow those, the, the pivotal scenes like the rape, the, the battle scene and the, the heart of the duel to keep them dry of music and have the music serve as bookending, which is quite an interesting way, not, not, not something that one's often asked to do. That's great. And Darius, how about you? How, how did you bring uh, different perspectives to these three stories? Well, we, tr we were trying not to make, a, make it obvious, you know, because, <clears throat> when actors come to the same space, you know, the space looks the same, you know, so photographically it's the same. I think the, the key is in the dialogue and nuances and performances. I mean, that's what makes it different. Maybe we, the last chapter, Marguerite's, we, we use a little bit more like her point of view. We were maybe really more, really use multiple cameras, but maybe we're a little bit more single camera just to be right into her eyes and stuff. But that was very subtle, that's all. And everything else was played. I would imagine if you if you asked Claire Simpson, the editor, she'd have more to say about that. Because whereas I don't know how it went, Darius, but but like say for instance, um Legree entering the castle un unauthorized when he goes in after Marguerite. I love the way that it's shot in in just well that's but this is the nuance. I'm glad you picked it up because this yeah, is the no, new beautiful. I love this. Even just when a, a regular sort of not particularly important Karouche arriving back from, from the battles in Scotland. And just the way that he's you think, oh I've seen that shot. No, I haven't seen that shot. And actually you see Marguerite's perspective of her husband coming home or in her story you see her yeah. perspective and he walks right past her. I well, love that. I love that. I thought it was really. No, but that's that, these are the nuances that we just that we did. Yeah, that we did like the using a single camera for Marguerite when Legree enters the castle. Yeah, that, 
that was done and 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 the whole rape scene that the one is shot on her back i don't know if you've noticed and and yep. and, and her version is just on her face mm. all it is is on her face there's nothing sexual about it at all it's just yeah. her face you know yeah. uh so you know those nuances we have shot them and of course claire used them brilliantly you know that's that's another person we should yeah <laughs> actually Gareth, can I ask, can I ask a question relating to that on you know when because i wondered when i was scoring the film um during the rape scene, for instance, as you say, from Legree's perspective, we don't see it in, in Karuja's perspective, do we? In Legree's perspective, it is, it's a, you're using a wider thing. We can kind of see what's going on. But on her, in her story, it's mostly on her face. And yeah. my question is, were they filmed at the same time? They're just different cameras? Yeah. Or would... when, you see, when you shoot such an emotional scene, you want to do it as few times as possible. Oh. So uh, that close-up was always there. Right, I see. So it's the, it is the same thing. Chosen, obviously, was chosen editorially, and that's how we operate, you know. But when you're shooting a scene like this, last thing you want to do is, okay, now it's going to be your close-up. Now it's going to. Now we're going to. You basically you you're sucking all the true emotions and drama, and actors' performance. You know, maybe there's some special shots, but. But it's not real. I mean, the point was just to be as realistic as possible. And in a place like this, actors are truly charged. So you just want to just respect them, you know. They can only do it so many times. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, but, but, you know, as a result, what are you describing? It's there. It's absolutely yeah. there. It's interesting to know that, that you intentionally avoided sensationalizing it. That's, that's really good to know. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> well, Genty, I want to bring it back to you. Janty, there are so many phenomenal pieces uh, in, in the film that I wish I had time to really dig into each of them. But I wanted to specifically ask you about the, the dress that Marguerite has, has made while uh, Jean is away. The, the harlot dress, as he, as he refers to it. Could you tell me about designing that piece and how risque would that dress have actually been at the time? Well, it was very risque for the country. Um, basically... Ridley always loves red dresses for harlots or for, you know, that sort of um, compromising situation. Um, 
and red was perfect, but we wanted to classy it up a bit. So we had a lovely embroidered panelling in the centre. But the whole thing is on the cleavage and the fact that her front was virtually nearly exposed by that. I mean, you know, too low, really. And they might have worn that in Paris, but they certainly didn't wear it in the even the suburbs, let alone in uh, medieval southern France. So it was very fashionable, very Paris fashionable, but it was certainly a shock to a country gentleman coming home from the war. How difficult was that piece to finally figure out what the right balance is between being so risque, but something believable that Marguerite would actually purchase? Well, it was quite straightforward because obviously we knew what the fashions of the time were. And um, it was a dress that she had made locally. So I think it, was, it, it wasn't really a problem. It was just getting the fabric right, getting the, getting the, um, the shape of it right. And uh, it was, I thought it was a sensational dress. I didn't agree with Carouge at all. <laughs> Nor did I. Nor did I. I, think, I, must say, I thought that was that was my favorite part of the of the way you guys did Yours. that costumes and with yeah. the when when in the third chapter we see that that just him the simple thing of him coming home and we see it three different ways and that it is subtle but it's really different isn't it yes completely and, and uh, musically I was able to reflect that particularly on the third telling as it were yes. and when he leaves for the battle too. When yeah. he leaves for the battle, it's yeah. yeah. I mean, this stuff we did shoot different ways, yeah, different, but it for not photographically, it's no. performance. But right. isn't it cool that it was the isn't it cool that the choice the choice was made to make these changes, these subtleties for the audience to realize that something different actually occurred than what we thought um, on just such simple scenes. They could, you know, you'd think they might be dialogue scenes where. Or, or, or some sort of big close-ups or, or some sort of major events, but this is just someone coming and going. And, uh, and yet it had it was, it was powerful enough to show you, oh, right, what we thought happened perhaps didn't happen like that. I just hope that people have enough patience to go through it in, in the world of instant gratification <laughs> and internet and all this crap. That Marvel, was my thoughts, exactly. I just hope that people have patience to sit through it, you know? Very special film, and the stuff occurs if you let it happen. You know, I I agree. I, I love how how unique this format is for the film. That's interesting that both of you brought up those hesitations. Hopefully, people will sit through the film. Can you? Did you have any conversations like that as you as you were in preparation for the film? Anything like that? No, no. But but <laughs> what's amazing, brilliant about Ridley is that he just. He's in the place in his career that he just wants to make a movie he wants to make, and and uh, and uh, this movie has to be long and has to take take its time for the payback, which is phenomenal. I mean, the the the, the last act is phenomenal. I mean, when you mm. really see her perspective. Yeah, I agree, and you can you can add to that, um, Darius, that that uh, that it has to be the length it has to be really to be able to unfold properly to the audience. But rather than take the much uh, trodden path, which would be to, in post-production, say, okay, Harry, look, we're three quarters of the way through the film. Some people are going to be shuffling in their seats here. We want music to, 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 to. we want, you know, there, there was none of that. We, we, the music wasn't used. Australians have too, fantastic, yeah. 
No, it's a deliberate choice. It's a deliberate choice, and that's what's brilliant about it. It's all yeah. about restraining yourself and making an impact in the end. You know, you just oh. Yeah. yeah, and Harry, I wanted to dig into that a little bit more. Obviously, you, you've you've uh, you've touched on the the lack of an overpowering score. The score is relatively subtle here throughout, and there are stretches without much much score at all. Um, how did you find those those specific places for the music to really have an impact? Well, the, one of the first things that a director and composer do, and any composer hearing this will will relate to it is do what's called a spotting session. I believe that that happens with the sound effects department as well, but I'm not involved in that. But we basically sit down and um, with a blank canvas and go through the film and say, well, what if music started as this character opens the door, comes in and plays underneath this dialogue scene and then fades away at the end before she leaves or something like that. So at the end of a spotting session, it might be left with 45 or 55 little cues what we will now call them cues um so it's it's not a contractual thing it's not like okay that's what i gotta do and then i'll leave that's more of a okay a first impression that could be our template at that point you know i'm gonna i don't have to write in order chronologically at all um having said that because this <laughs> the, the nature of this damn movie uh was the duel and the first scene was the you know the, the setup of of the duel i thought well I, I got to start here, really. Um, so I did start at the beginning of this film. I don't usually start at the beginning of a film. I'll usually start somewhere uh, I want to be invested in. But um, with with this, the, the added challenge for me there was that when I started work, um, that scene, which is a probably three and a half minutes long now in the final film, was about eight and a half minutes long at the time. So you might say, well, why did you bother writing? Wait until they've cut it down. Because it was clear that it was going to have to come down. Um, but that's not really my place to say that. And however, if I waited until I had a fine cut, um, I'd have probably only finished the music about five minutes ago. Um, so <laughs> with modern technology, there, you know, it's not like they're cutting cutting film somewhere. Hmm. There's a, a click of a computer um, thing, and and then the scene has has been trimmed. So so one's got to, got to launch off somewhere. And I thought, well, that's that's where I got to be. So and uh, quite oftentimes. It's a little frustrating, but it means that I'm left with an eight minute cue and I only need three and a half minutes of it. So let's cut out the bits that aren't so good and focus on the good bits. So you can, yeah, that's where we get the real richness, the source, hopefully. It's funny what you're saying because it's the same thing when you're shooting a film, we're using multiple cameras, we're shooting scenes, we have just so many incredible shots and half of them go away, but it's, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. I used to cry over some great, great crane shot. Oh my God, it was such a great shot. It's not, it's, are you in the same place? You just have this great piece of music and it's like, right. Right. it's really important as an artist to be able to throw stuff away. Yes, so, you know, Ridley, Ridley's very attached to it. You know, no, you're right, Darius. I think he, the last time I had a conversation with Ridley about this very thing, I think he it, he involved alcohol in it somehow. It was something about distilling it, <laughs> distilling yeah. a good drink down to its, like, its essence, <laughs> which is very it's riddly. Like, it's like we can go on about you know like everybody in every like in music and images and yeah. shots and in costumes. John D, I'm sorry, some of it is too black. I'm and sure white. in costumes you because you you mentioned earlier you have to reduce sometimes. You know you probably have whatever you have accessorizing or, or whatever it is and. Sometimes you find that you're you're reducing, Jenny. 
Oh, I find okay. a huge amount of costume I make never makes it to the screen. Oh, there you go. That's what we're talking it about. <laughs> but you know, what it does, it's stunning. Janty, what it does, it's stunning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm short on time. One question before I let you guys go. Obviously, you've, you've all worked with Ridley Scott numerous times and have one more film with him coming out this year, House of Gucci. So for who, whoever would like to answer, uh, any or all of you, what keeps you coming back to this creative partnership with Ridley Scott? Why, why do you love working with Ridley? Why wouldn't you? Why are you, you going to... With a question. Very good. I mean... <laughs> I'm going to work for some boring director at home and it's easy. And no, we all, we all doing this because we love what we do and he loves what he does. So that's why we're here. He does. That's the key to it. He not only do we love what we do, but he, he loves what he does. He, that's he, right. he wakes up to do it. And it's very infectious then. We, um, we're also very inspired by him. He's a genius and uh, just get, very, very feel very grateful to be asked again. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much. I appreciate your time. And really, I love the film. So thank you all for your work. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the cinematographer for The Last Duel, Darius Wolski, costume designer Janty Yates, and composer Harry Gregenson Williams. The Last Duel is currently playing in theaters. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.